Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. I'm Tim. And I'm Marshall. What's up? I'm fixing my mic because I've been listening to recent episodes and I can't hear myself when I when I listen to it. Although it might be just my car stereo that maybe like just like the pitch of my voice is just not not there. So I'm like eating this microphone right now. I think Alex is just taking you out of the podcast. Yeah, he is. I he doesn't a, like what you've got to say. We got to have a chat, me and Alex. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Tim? Oh, it's a weird day. <laughs> it is a weird day. So, so we're a week ahead. Yeah. So this will be old news for everyone. So today we found out that there's the provincial stay-at-home order. Yeah. Which is kind of a stay-at-home order for us. Kind of not. It's yeah. hard to know what's going to happen Sunday. I know. Uh, but we're doing a special late-night edition. We are. <laughs> so that we can... We can record on a Wednesday mm-hmm. before Thursday. I mean, we have our glass in place and everything. Yeah, too, yeah, we're good about this, but still, not sure exactly what we're allowed to do and not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. So let's knock this thing out before uh, before the order kicks in. Sounds good. <laughs> so that we don't have to make the decision for a week. Cool, cool. Well, today we're going to be dealing with uh, one of the more cheerier subjects <laughs> of theology. Uh, what is sin? We're going to be talking about some homartology. Mm. That's a fancy word, folks, for essentially just the study of sin. Yeah. Homartology, if you want to impress your friends with how much you know about sin. Yeah. And if you want to save a couple thousand dollars from Bible college and (laughs) seminary. (laughs) You're welcome, folks. I'm just passing it directly on to you guys. So to talk about how people have discussed sin. Mm Mm-hmm. In general. Okay. This could be many episodes. It could be. Because a lot of people like to talk about sin, whether they're Christians or not. That's true. Some people celebrate it. They do. The sin city. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, my tri- I, I, I traveled to Vegas, like, I don't know what it would have been, two years ago now. And, uh, like I didn't pay for the like it was a work trip or whatever, but mm-hmm. it was strange. It was a strange place. Like, it's like no, no, no. We don't hide this in. We celebrate it. That's our whole purpose of existence. Like, welcome. I've never been. It's weird. It's a weird place. I, I, I'm, I. There's part of me that's like, okay, it was cool that I've been there. But I, I'd be perfectly fine never going back. Yeah. The highlight was the three-hour drive to the Grand Canyon. That was. <laughs> Yeah, so so some people celebrate it, acknowledge it, yeah, and, and yeah. the funny thing is, the people that do mm-hmm. identify it well. Yeah, it, it's not like they're going, "Well, is this or is this not?" Yeah, they know. They don't ask the question. They they know. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good um, point. some people just deny it altogether. Mm-hmm. Some people reduce it. I I always like to say, a sin is a thing worse than what I would do. And a sinner is a person who does things <laughs> that I would never do. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not perfect, but I'm not a sinner. Yeah, it's that, like that just seems harsh. It's like being worse than your average person. It's like you have some kind of like weird kind of concept of this like neutrally, like morally neutral person, mm-hmm. and anything below that standard is sin. Right. That's that's. I mean, that's a pretty probably a pretty common conception, at least within kind of our secular society. Yeah, and, and then I would say 
in that reduction, there's a really interesting thing happening in society. I think that's changing. Yeah. And I know I know that everyone, for good reason, likes to hate on cancel culture. Yeah. Allow me to possibly be the first person to promote cancel culture <laughs> in a Christian evangelical world. <laughs> Hit me with it, Tim. Not not entirely. I'm ready. Right. I, I understand all of the ills of cancel culture. Sure, sure. But here is what is happening in a in a postmodern world. Postmodern thought is nothing is concrete. Everything is relative. Mm-hmm. Which is where we get the reduction of sin. Right. Sin is worse than I would do. A sinner is someone who does worse than I would do. And now all of a sudden, there is a defined absolute. There is. Now that absolute is a moving target. <laughs> it is. Constantly moving target. But there is the concept now of an absolute. Yeah. You did a thing that cannot be done. Mm-hmm. Then... There comes with it the idea that sin not only is, but is worthy of punishment. Mm. That that person should not be participating in society as they did before the knowledge of said sin. Mm -hmm. uh, Because it is a corruption, their presence is a corruption of society. Mm. And that you did this thing means you justice is you're canceled yeah entirely forevermore never again working in whatever industry you were in or anything like that Mm -hmm. it seems to me that the lost world i'm going to be edgy and say better than some progressive churches Mm. understands the concept of sin and justice and punishment for sin. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? And they call it cancel culture. Yeah. What they don't have is grace and mercy. Mm -hmm. So I look at cancel culture and I'm like, like everyone else, I don't like it. Sure. But at the same time, I look at it and I think, you're this close. (laughs) Whereas generations before had to first acknowledge that right and wrong even existed. Mm. These only need to acknowledge that they've participated in a culture that should have them ostracized from a holy God, but for grace and mercy. (laughs) It's weird how within the span of a few short years, suddenly it's the church who has long been kind of criticized for being legalistic and harsh and unforgiving. Mm -hmm. Now now we have the opportunity to be the gracious and merciful ones and say the wrong that you've done a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, no longer needs to enslave you. You no longer need to be defined by that. There is... There is hope for freedom from that right. and freedom from the consequences of that. And uh, yeah, oh, how the tables have turned. And and whereas before the message that what you're doing is sin was foreign to the world, 
mm-hmm. the message of restoration and acceptance is now foreign to the world. Yeah. I mean, the tricky part is going to be what the culture constitutes as sin is sometimes, in fact, righteousness. But that's a, that's a whole, that's, that, it's, you know, that's a hurdle. It's not the application. It's the concept. <laughs> it's the concept. Yeah. It's the concept that matters. And then I would say, <laughs> lastly, the other, the other approach to sin that people throw out that, that often is wrong mm. um, is that everything is sin. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a a thing as as well, right? Like, build yourself a cave home, separated from all of society, so that there is no temptation or opportunity for sin. Yeah, except for maybe that separating yourself from all of society is not the righteousness and the call to the commission that God has called you to, and within and of itself, yeah, maybe be problematic and sinful. Well, it never works. Like all these no. religious leaders who are like, I'm going to go build a compound out in the middle of nowhere so I can avoid the the pollutedness of the world. Those places end up being just cesspools. Because wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. Oh, it's almost as though sin is not just this external, exterior. but it's internal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So dealing with this subject matters, right? Uh, wrapping our minds around what sin is, uh, is important. Right. We've established already in previous episodes, like it's a problem. Sin is an enemy. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the Bible describes it that way. The consequences are severe. And one of the like main purposes of Christian teaching is redemption from sin. Like yeah. that's a that's a thing. That's a major, major thing. And, uh, and I think I think most people. Are regardless of where you are on the spectrum, most people are comfortable with sin if it is a sin against a person, mm. right? If you've sure. done something to offend, inconvenience, or harm someone else, then that's a sin. Right. I, I, I actually have had this conversation with a guy before who is just like, if, if someone else is not hurt, What's the problem? Right. That's not sin. Mm. Um, not taking into account that that someone else is God himself. Yeah. And that sin is not actions against humanity. Actions in opposition to God, which include the way you affect those created in his image. Yeah. Humanity. Right, so even an act against humanity is an act against God, but all sin is an act against God. Yeah, yep. No, I'm with you. Yeah, I was kind of curious as to you know if I just Googled the definition of sin. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, what 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 kind of things would would uh, pop up? So the the kind of definition that popped up right in the Google search, you know, when you don't mm-hmm. have to like click on a link, it just shows up. Right. An immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. I was like. Good on you, Google. Well that's, done. That's not that bad, actually. Well done. I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised with Google. Um, Merriam-Webster, uh, an offense against religious or moral law, or an action that is felt to be highly reprehensible, was uh, was what it gave me there. That was the Merriam-Webster. But oh. So the trend that I'm seeing mm-hmm. is an offense against law and not against a being. That's correct. Not against 
the person of God, mm-hmm. but the statutes of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what we're going to find is that, and what we've already discussed, in fact, actually last week, is that God's law flows out of his being, out of who he is. Mm-hmm. So to violate God's law is, in in a sense, to violate God himself. Um, so, I mean, they, they, they haven't made that leap yet. But hey, who knows, man? Who knows? Yeah. Can, I almost made an eschatological comment, but I'm going to pass. Okay, so, um, all right. Well, what does the catechism have to say? Read it for us. Sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created, rebelling against him by living without reference to him, not being or doing what he requires in his law, resulting in our death and the disintegration of all creation. Mm. That's they they got the different angles, they got some different layers. It's a pretty fully orbed answer actually. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um they got the idea of omission and commission. Yep, they got both in there. Uh My wife hates that I I find fault with <laughs> everything. How dare you? <laughs> I'm the worst person to watch a movie with. We were <sighs> we were watching a movie last night. It was my daughter's birthday. Mm-hmm. We we're watching a movie together. What movie was it, Tim? It was a new rendition of The Secret Garden. Okay, I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, but it's one of those it's one of those things where people are like, I'm not a great writer. So I can't come up with my own classic story. So I'm going to take a classic story and I'm going to fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Which, and the way I'm going to fix it is with CGI. (laughs) Right, of course. (laughs) And so they they changed basically everything but the characters' names. Mm. Key people missing. It was was just awful. And and I don't want to give away the story. But I'm at one point I'm pointing out. Ooh, I, I almost <laughs> give away the story. I can't do it. I can't do it. Okay. At, at one point I'm just pointing out like just just tragic inconsistency. Okay. And I realized that it wasn't the first one that I pointed out. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden Lindsay's like, "Do you mind?" <laughs> I know that's what's happening here. No one's asking me to write books. Yeah. And, and yet I'm going to edit. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. The one tell, thing, the one thing that I would like, what he did wrong, Tim. The one thing I would like more of <laughs> is acknowledgement that it's internal and not external. Mm. That it, it, like James tells us, it is our own hearts that cause us to sin. Mm-hmm. Right? It's by our own weakness that we're tempted, and that temptation leads to sin. Mm-hmm. That it's not about. Satan throwing stumbling blocks in front of you. Mm-hmm. And oh, if he hadn't been there, you'd have been fine. Right. Right? That internalization that sin is the me problem and not the external, the devil got to be defeated mm. so that I'll stop sinning problem right. is a real thing when it comes to understanding sin. Sure. Yeah. That we understand. I, I'm not just praying that this thing would go away, I'm praying that I would be healed and changed. I think when it comes to praying about sin and, and acknowledging what it really is, that's 
crucial. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, and perhaps the wording could have could have included a bit of that. It does like to its credit, it does kind of use these these verbs that that are applied to the sinner of rejecting, ignoring, rebelling, um, not being and doing. But I but I but I understand what you're saying. Just I think because of the way that sin is misunderstood or has been misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. Yeah, it it could be helpful to 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 bring that concept into that. This is yeah, like you said, an internal rather than external thing. The devil didn't make you do it. No, he did not. You wanted to do it, and the devil just said, "Let me hold the door open." Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. That needed to be said. Um. Yeah. So the scripture passage that is given, um, for for this answer is First John three four. It just says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Mm-hmm. There you go. I mean, again, this is one verse that captures a part of the answer, right? There's no right. kind of one one passage of Scripture that's going to synthesize and like bring all of these aspects of this kind of fully-orbed answer together. But it certainly highlights the fact of of this being lawlessness right um the idea that you know this rebellious kind of nature that is evidenced in our sin right that you know god is king and therefore any any behavior that violates his law is is rebellion is lawlessness we are we are criminals in the eyes of God. I think that's a, an important thing to, to keep in mind because th- the reality is, is that in an attempt to prov- present a more palatable gospel, right? A, a, yeah. a more, a more easily accepted version of Christianity, you know, some, some churches, some groups have, have kind of downplayed the severity of sin. I heard a pastor say one time, we don't talk about sin. What we want is for a person to come, get comfortable with what we got going on here, realize the benefit of them being a part of the church, and then once they become Christians, then we'll talk to them about sin and repentance. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you do do know what some of the prerequisites for (laughs) (laughs) understanding the gospel are. So... How do you how do you dodge that when Jesus and John the Baptist walked around and it's just like, hey, how are you? And he's like, repent for the kingdom of the Lord is at hand. Yeah, <laughs> it's just I'm fine. It's like just like base level uh, teaching. Yeah. Is. So so like you said, that passage is is a portion of it. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. one that I was referring to in uh, in from James. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Mm. Then that desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings death. Yeah, no, I think that's really good to keep in mind. And and I remember touching on that when I when I taught through the book of James because we sometimes live in a culture, and not just within the within church culture, but within like kind of the broader secular culture, where everyone's flaws are merely the result of something that they've experienced. Mm-hmm. If they'd had a better childhood, if mommy and daddy made more money, 
if their genes were better, if whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever this external circumstance, if that had been different, then they never would have been in the situation they found themselves in. And I don't for a moment want to pretend like those things don't matter right. in the development of a person, that those don't have longstanding impacts in, in, in how they operate, right? Some of those scars run deep. When people sin against us, that harms us as well. Absolutely. But but the but the primary source of our sin comes from within. That is right. our own hearts. And and every person every person on this earth is a broken person born into a broken situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And what God does for us is meets us where we are mm-hmm. to deliver us. Yeah. Right? Um, and there's there's no space, I, and and that even acknowledges various states mm. of broken situations and broken people, mm. right? I am fully aware of the privilege of having grown up in the circumstance that I grew up in, mm-hmm. in a Christian home. Parents had jobs, things were taken care of. My early life was cake. Right. I get that. I got my I got my hang ups. Sure. I have my struggles. They could have been far more damaging in a different scenario. It's not fair that I grew up the way that I grew up. Mm. So I acknowledge that. But at the same time, scripture doesn't leave space for someone to say it was a harder journey for you, so never mind the fact that you didn't right. repent of your sin. Right. Um, and and that's something that we just have to recognize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. And one of the things we were we were kind of getting into this prior to starting the podcast because it was something that that we were both chatting about is you know the having you know people who have grown up in the church or who have identified as Christians for many years, walking away from the faith. And it's interesting how oftentimes um, what I've seen and people that I've known, people that I've worked with, in, partnered with in ministry, in, when I did camp ministry, a number of young people, all affiliated with uh, a church or a couple of churches that were very keen on downplaying this the whole sin thing, mm-hmm. right? We want we, we don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to be condemning. We don't want to be, you know, uh, pushy or whatever it is. Right. We want to make people feel good. Right. Kind of this emergent church type type movement. Um, most of them. Are no longer walking with the Lord in in any significant way. In yeah. fact, some of them I would call opponents like like vocal publicly vocal opponents to Christianity. And they were kind of raised and formed within those contexts. And it, it just grinds my gears that churches think that by downplaying these things, somehow they are going to be more appealing. And perhaps they are for a season, but it doesn't, that gospel is a powerless gospel, a gospel that doesn't acknowledge our own sin and mm-hmm. the atoning sacrifice of Christ, that that, that was required for it is a toothless gospel and and there's a whole lot of people who yeah who are buying in buying into that and it's ironically um it's just speeds people's way 
Yeah, because the I, the idea then becomes we're creating a bond or a friendship with the world. Mm-hmm. James, which we've referenced heavily so mm-hmm. far, yeah. says friendship with the world is enmity with God. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean we got to go around being jerks. And nope. I know you. And I and I know I know you've you know you've communicated that. If anything, I I tend to be maybe a little bit more of a jerk than you are. So I'll I'll own that. We can make it a contest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I struggle. Um, but no. But I think the reality is that like that doesn't mean that we go out of our way to be combative, right? Or offensive. But the gospel in and of itself is offensive enough. Yeah, we're we're not. So so here's the thing. It's not about just walking around and being like, that's a sin, that's a sin, mm. that's a sin, right? Because we're not moralists. Right. And that's where people can go wrong when a non-believing world looks at the church and says, you're judgmental, mm. right? To be perfectly frank, if a person is a non-believer, I could care less what their sin is. Right. I don't care what you're into, right? Mm. Because what you need is the same. Yeah. You need Christ. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Right? Once a person is a believer, then it changes. Right. It's not judgmental to say to a person, hey, man, that that's not okay. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's accountability. Judgmentalism is just throwing someone under the bus and walking away. It's tossing the grenade into the room and walking out. It's walking alongside someone and saying, hey, we need to talk, mm-hmm. and I want to walk with you through this, mm-hmm. that's not judgmentalism. That's Matthew 18. Yeah. That's yep. accountability. Yeah. It's love. It, it really is. is, right? And I'm I'm grateful for people in my life who've come alongside me in certain situations, right? And yeah. said things that they knew I didn't want to hear. But where, where Christians have gotten it wrong many times is we look at a lost world, mm-hmm. and we say, look at them doing things that are opposed to life and righteousness and Christian morality as if they have the power within them (laughs) to identify righteousness and live accordingly. Right. If we believe that to be true, then we believe that the Holy Spirit is powerless and pointless. Yeah. And then conversely, sometimes we give a free pass to people who profess to be believers and it's like, well, if you're gonna get, if you're gonna get nitpicky with anybody, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> right? Absolutely, uh, we we have it. We kind of have it reversed sometimes. And and Paul goes out of his way to say this mm. when he's talking to the church in Corinth. He's telling them avoid people who are practicing mm-hmm. sexual immorality. And mm-hmm. then he goes out of his way to say, I'm not talking about the lost. Mm. I'm talking about those who call themselves a brother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was actually so it's I explicitly stated. I had never really noticed that till you pointed that out when we worked through that in our last year's podcast in our journey through the Bible. And that is that's significant. And I think it's something we regularly miss. Um, so I wanted to, to to briefly mention some of the commentary that the catechism provides. And if you're using the book copy, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Go to newcitycatechism.com. Find this question, open up the commentary, and look at what John Lynn has to say. Because part of the answer in this catechism talks about living without reference to God. Mm-hmm. And that, that might seem like a strange phrase, but I just want to read you know, a, a handful of sentences here um, from his commentary, which I found. I, have, I honestly don't know who John Lynn is, but I need to find out. Because he's come up a few times in the commentary, and it's always interesting. I always love it. Sin is living without reference to God. 
not viewing him to be the defining reality of our lives around which our entire lives need to be centered. And when we don't live as if God uh, is who he is, we violate his law and all the good, loving, protecting guidelines that he's provided to us for um, to us for how to best and most fully live. Think about it this way. If you were to walk off a cliff saying, I don't have to live by the law of gravity, I can live by my own rules, you would, on the one hand, be disobeying a very specific rule and commandment, namely, don't walk off a cliff. But on the other hand, you would also not be living in reference to gravity. You would be living as if gravity were of no consequence or importance in your life. And I thought that was just a neat way to kind of... Um, picture how we often sin. It's almost like we're, we're pretending that God isn't who he says he is, that mm-hmm. his truth is not the primary truth um, that governs this entire universe. Um, so I found that really cool. Yeah, living in that sort of way where you say, well, if I don't want it to be true, then it's not. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. No. Walk off a cliff, see what happens. <laughs> no, don't Gra- walk off a cliff. I'm just Gra- saying. <laughs> Sorry, just I don't want us to get sued, you know. Don't actually walk off a cliff. But if you did, gravity exists whether you want it to or not. Exactly. And and that's the way that's the way it is with God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm going to say What are you going to say? That felt like the wrap it up sigh. Mhm. But we got more. Yeah, I'm com- Do you want you want to talk about more? Go for it. Are we? Cause, okay, because there's a couple like side conversations I'd like to sure. have in regards to this subject of sin. All right, we're at 29 minutes and 16 seconds. I Go have ahead. No, I have no idea what our... Okay, well, now I know what... I don't have an idea of what our time's like. Um, I think one of the things, too, uh, is this concept of when we talk about sin, uh, an interesting question uh, is, are all sins equal? Okay. Right? That's, that's, that's difficult to handle sometimes but I, i've been asked that before in conversations and your answer yes and no well Ooh, yes perfect. but uh, yes I would have said the same thing yes but actually no um and, and uh, okay this m- kind of or might come from um some of the more well-known um doctrines from the roman catholic church the distinction between mortal sins and venial sins right mortal sins are like if you commit that sin and then you don't do like the repentance and penance and confession or whatever prior to your death. Done. You're done. You're going to hell. It's done. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas a venial sin, it's like, ah, it's not a big deal. It's like, it's not going to jeopardize. It's a thing, you. but it's not a big thing. Yeah. It's like, whatever. Right. Um, or you have the discussion about the, the seven deadly sins. Right. Um, scripture is interesting in how it handles that question. And, and, and hopefully you'll be able to get a sense of why it's yes, but actually no. James 2.10, breaking one point of the law is the same as breaking the whole thing, essentially. Every sin Mm -hmm. leads us to death and separation from God. Yeah. Yeah. Every one of them. Yeah. Regardless of what we think the severity of it is. Mm -hmm. So there's your yes. That's the yes. The no no is there because, well, I mean, even even Jesus actually kind of references to differences in degrees of sin. Mm-hmm. When he's talking to Pilate in John 19, he says, he talks about how, you know, Pilate has received his authority from another. But then he talks about how the one who's delivered him to Pilate, like to the governor, has the greater sin. Right. And and I'm thinking he's referring to like the, the high priest. 
mm-hmm. I would think, right, in that case. Sure. Right? Yep. So so he, so Jesus is acknowledging that there is, in, in, in a sense, there are greater sins, right? So they're the same, but they're not the same, right? And even in Scripture, we see in the Old Testament, in the Law of Moses, degrees of uncleanliness, willful disobedience versus sins of ignorance, right? The whole intentional versus unintentional. Um, so in the sense, all sin is against a holy and righteous God and is deserving of the same punishment, right? Right. Breaking a law is breaking the law. Um, but the way our different sins can impact others or ourselves or the degree, like even the, the heinousness of different sins can, mm-hmm. can vary. Um, and I, so I think it's when, when someone wants to ask, okay, well, is this sin worse than that sin? I think y- yes, but no, or no, but yes. I think it's also fair. important to know why the person's asking. Well, that's like, are you tra- asking because you're just being theologically curious? Yeah. Or are, or are you, trying you to asking justify because you're trying to justify or judge? Or judge. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point, right? Yeah, because all have fallen short of the glory of God, mm-hmm. right? That's... That's the you know the little old lady who seems really really nice and is really really nice except she gossips a lot, and the murderer. They have both fallen short of the glory of God. Right. But there's a difference in the degree of damage. Let's say she doesn't. Let's say she doesn't gossip. She's squeaky clean. Yeah. But denies Christ and says, "My squeaky clean queen ha my squeaky cleanness nice is sufficient." Mm-hmm. I don't need Jesus. Yeah. Right. And the murderer in prison repents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the thing, right? So, because it's not necessarily about the degree to which we sin, it is, do we trust in the one who provides the only answer to our ailment? Right. Um, yeah. So, I thought that was kind of worth worth, worth, uh, worth discussing. Um, I mean... <laughs> The other thing too, and I know I know we've kind of gone over the thirty minutes, but maybe it's just worth briefly mentioning is is we'll ask you a question and then I'll kind of answer answer it afterwards. But how have you found or what what ways have you found helpful in communicating sin to people who might not be familiar with it? I know we've just talked like at the beginning of the podcast about how our culture is becoming more familiar with it mm-hmm. in their own kind of twisted version. Um, but, but what are some ways that have been helpful for you in addressing sin with people? Yeah. So I, I talk about the three different ways that sin is presented in scripture. Mm. Um, we use a book here for those who are being baptized or becoming new members. Uh, and, and it's in there Mm -hmm. to say there's outright rebellion, which most of us are comfortable calling sin. Yeah. Um, there's also transgression, which is. Crossing the line that was not yours to cross, um, and and maybe taking on something that was not yours, and then there is just missing the mark, yeah, falling short, yeah, right. The idea is God is a righteous and holy God, and when we say, "Well, I'm not perfect," what we're saying is, "Well, I missed the mark," which what we're saying is, "I, Amartya." I sin. I, yeah, I'm sinful. And so and so when I lay out the three, they're not even degrees. They're just different ways that 
sin is used and described in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and generally when I lay out those three, people are able to say, I get that there's a spectrum, and maybe I was only looking at transgressions and rebellions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and usually in that missing the mark mm. issue is, is where people who aren't comfortable with sin come to terms with it. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. No, I think that, that that's really good. I, I read an interesting article, and it was um, TDC Australia, actually, and it was kind of providing different terminology to kind of open the door to not kind of kill the mood to just like, you know, if you're having a conversation with with a non-believer in a, you know, not, not in your, you know, not in your pastor's office, but at the gym or something, yep. and you kind of drop the word sin, it kind of kills the mood or whatever. I found it, you know, I'd give it a mixed review. It was interesting. I mean, some of the authors, because it was a collection of authors kind of sharing briefly what they, what they like to talk about. The idea of like bringing shame to yourself or shaming God, the idea of like ripping, uh, ripping God off or robbing God of what he is owed, right? The idea of being like, starting with the idea of like, God, if God is in fact the creator and sustainer of all life, if I belong to him, then he is owed certain things. Um, so I thought that was cool. Um, there was one guy, he said something and I, well, I don't know, you tell me what you think of this, but he was talking about how, how at a lecture he kind of said, okay, everyone, like I'm going to commit the most heinous sin in the next five seconds and he counts down and then he does absolutely nothing. And then he says, yeah, this that apathy to who God is like it was in order to illustrate the fact that like for those of us who know what God wants from us, but then to act as though he doesn't exist. Right. I I don't know if I really agree with him fully, but there was an interesting thing, right? It was like, it's, he's like, it's like the teenager when you're telling them, you know, what they've done wrong. They just kind of like roll their eyes and, and sure. don't do anything, right? And how, like, continuing to walk in sin is, like, it's like we're doing that with God. It's like we're pretending he's not even there. Or, or we just couldn't be bothered by by what he has to to say to us. And, and, and I realize, like, you know, our sinful tendencies are not always born out of apathy, right? There is... There, there are things that we wrestle with and struggle with. He, even the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, what mm-hmm. his own struggles and not doing what he wants to do and, and vice versa. But uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and, and I think you even alluded to that earlier when you talked about sins of ignorance. You just sort mm-hmm. of like, you said it, mm-hmm. passed by it. But that we're still growing mm-hmm. to be more like Christ means knowingly or unknowingly we're still doing things mm-hmm. that are missing the mark. Yeah. Right? And so... There are always going to be those kinds of things. It's not always apathy. Sometimes it's just because we mature through process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I think I think we need to become more comfortable with the conversation around sin. One way that we can practically do that is stop using words like my struggle. Right. My hang up. Yeah. This gets me. Yeah. And just say, this is my sin. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, and in a, a very easy, practical way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and I think in doing that, we become more aware and more vocal about what it means to be separated from God, and why that matters, and why we need salvation, and and we f- we find ourselves less because what happens when we use those words like where I trip up or this is my then the person you're talking to, your accountability partner, 
is going to be like, oh, yeah, no, I understand. I understand. But you throw sin in there instead of my struggle, and then people are like, I get it, but we can't brush that off. If mm-hmm. we're going to call it sin, we can't brush it off, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I, I think that's an important way for us to start riding the ship is just by having those kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. I'll also say that you almost said it. It might even count. I can't believe we made it through a whole episode without you saying someone knows what is right and doesn't do it for him it's sin. <laughs> that's my yeah, that's my uh, that's my go-to verse. Yeah. That's it's okay. You got yours, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man of unclean lips living among a people of unclean. It's fine. Okay. Wrap us up. I Tim. only said that when I started working with you. <laughs> 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 Subtle I Bible burn. I, I love it. I should have wrapped it up before. Working that. amongst the staff of unclean <laughs> Should have wrapped it up before that happened. <laughs> Thanks for listening if you're still here. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. It is produced by Alex Walker. Next time. Go and sin no more. <laughs>